So Mike Tong and Sue Baker are project managers at a project called Real. It's a project that provides advice um, to people that might be using what we know as legal highs, but actually there's a better name for these particular drugs. Um, so Sue and Mike, tell me, why shouldn't we call these drugs legal highs? Firstly, Jerome, we believe that uh, terminology used currently legal highs gives subconscious permission for young people to use drugs free from fear of consequence. Um, we believe that the term new unregulated drugs um, is far better terminology. We believe it reinforces the messages to young people that they are in fact drugs and that there are quite serious consequences involved with taking drugs. These drugs then, um, where are people getting hold of them? What sort of street identity do they have? I think what, what we're talking about, Jerome, is when people refer to legal highs, it's not like illegal substances. So we don't tend to get the slang terminology. So we tend to get the actual name of the product from young people. The problem with the products is that the chemical composition of these products is changed frequently in order for manufacturers and people selling these substances to avoid law and legislation. So branding names change frequently too. So what we tend to do what real is not get caught up in the brands of, of particular products but we say to young people how did it affect you what, what were the you know what were the negative experiences what were the, because sometimes there are positive experiences as well so perhaps what were the positive experiences and we look at that and we try and unpick that for people then and, and then we look at what we call lifestyle instability which is often a, coin, um, a consequence of taking legal highs so that's, you know, people may not have been admitted to A&E or they may not have been in police custody. But what tends to happen when people are taking legal, legal highs is that their the life, the lifestyle tends to fall apart around them. Um, relationships break down. People um, end up with financial problems so they might get behind with um, financial commitments such as, you know, mortgages or rents or board money, whatever that might be. College placements end up breaking down. People end up losing their jobs. So... There's a massive fallout concerned with using legal ads that sometimes people don't relate to. Can you give me some uh, better understanding of just how prolific these drugs are? Well, these drugs are widely used by a lot of different age age groups, so um, it's it's prolific everywhere, and it isn't around any particular environment or any particular area. It's across the country. The local picture, so we we can better indicate from our feedback from young people. I think, and um, so far in the first sort of fifteen months of the project, we've managed to engage three thousand young school children within the project there, delivering awareness raising and so forth. And in that feedback, young people are indicating to us that they've either got direct experience themselves of using legal highs or they know of a friend or family member who has used or is currently using legal highs. So we believe we're beginning to scratch the surface um, and un- uncover the extent of the problem, but to what extent, you know, the problem truly is, we don't really know at this stage. We do know, as, as Sue said earlier, it's a national problem, so it's not just a local problem to hold. Where are people getting the drugs from? Is it, um, are, are they buying them on the street here in the city, or is, is online the source to get them? We think in whole from the feedback that we're having is the two main sources of people getting these legal highs from tend to be street dealers, low-level street dealers, and also licensed retail premises. And as you quite rightly said, there is a massive online market as well. There are 
more than three and a half thousand websites known to be selling legal highs. But the information we're getting from local people is they are sourced locally. So what what sort of problems um, are you coming across that people are having? Well, we spoke about lifestyle instability earlier on, so that's a massive one. That, to me, is becoming the defining feature of a legal high user. But other problems that we've encountered, as I said to you before, these drugs, because the, the chemical composition of them has changed frequently, we tend to get varying effects. But effects that seem to run throughout these, these drugs, really, are the raised levels of anxiety and paranoia and psychotic episodes that people are experiencing that manifests itself in behaviour. So what we tend to get is we tend to get slightly aggressive, confrontational people that are using legal highs, and that tends to manifest itself in violent outbursts. So we've seen a rise in incidents of um, of violence and also of antisocial behaviour related to these substances. So I think it's the behaviours that come with using these substances that for us are the primary problems. In April this year, um, there's going to be a new act passed, hopefully, in government, uh, the um, Psychoactive Substances Act. Why has it taken so long for these substances to come to the attention of the legal system and for regulation to be put in place? I think the government's been aware for quite a number of years now uh, about the problems associated with legal highs. What they didn't want to do was to rush into any legislation that may have, um, in fact, been counterproductive or ineffective. So, yes, it's looked like they've dragged the heels in responding to the problem, but we believe that the response that they've come up with in, in the way the new psychoactive substance bill is probably the right response at this stage. What changes do we expect to see um, after the law has changed in, in April? Is it going to make it more difficult to get these drugs? And how can professionals respond to the new legislation? In terms of um, the new psychoactive substance bill and what will actually happen when it does come into force in April, I mean, Mike has, um, has already said it's the right response at this time. However, um, there is people out there who think that it's going to drive um, deals underground or it's going to drive this particular um, use underground. That already exists. You know, uh, legal highs are bought underground. What it will do is protect our most vulnerable, which is young people, who buy these through high street shops. That is the people we are most protecting right now. I don't actually think it'll change much in the way of sales. So unfortunately, um, anybody who's dealing or working with somebody who's got legal highs, the issue isn't going to change. What we are concerned about is young people who've maybe developed a dependency legitimately and now may be forced to go to um, dealers on the street, dealers, um, to get these substances, which is a bit of a concern, really, because, you know, they've entered into this market legitimately or entered into this lifestyle legitimately, and now there's going to be some, you know, some serious consequences. So maybe it's about now anybody experiencing any difficulties with legal highs is to look at what's the next step going to be? Are they going to be moving into an area of society that maybe they don't want to be in? When you're working in schools and colleges and youth groups with young people, what are the regular questions that young people are putting to you? Why doesn't legal high mean products are legal? And if they're so dangerous, why can I legitimately buy them over the counter? So then it goes back to 
avoiding loan legislation, bypassing legislation by marking products not for human consumption. At that point, you can see the light go on with young people. And it's quite alarming to think that we're now eight, nine years on from the introduction of first legal highs, that young people are still under the misconception that these are safe, regulated, authorised substances. So if young people have questions uh, about these particular substances um, that they want the answers to, how can they get in touch with you? Parents and carers of young people and other professionals too, how can they get in touch with you? We've got uh, social media, so there's every opportunity. We try and post as much information out there, including warnings, new reports. So a lot of information is going out there um, to allow people to educate themselves, which we find is is really useful. Um, our website does offer a facility for a confidential question. Um, so if somebody does feel like they really don't want to enter into emails directly with us, which is absolutely available, or even telephone calls, um, uh, there's a facility there to ask a confidential question post it on the um, website and we'll get back to them usually within about seven days and we'll give them a comprehensive answer and also offer that opportunity to discuss it further if they want to so what's the future for the real project where do you want to go in the next where do you want to be in the next 12 months Firstly, uh, within the next 12 months, we hope to front a national legal high campaign um, of which we're in the early discussion stages now with a well-known national organisation. We have um, ambitions to become a regional champion for legal highs and ultimately a national consultation service, again, for legal highs, specialist advice, information, education, support. Well, thank you for chatting to me. Um, I certainly feel better informed. And let's hope we can uh, inform others too, get the message out there as to you know, the real issues behind these um, psychoactive substances.